Hello, this is Nathan Ray, and this is my friend, Sparks. Hi, Sparks. Hello. How do we know each other, Sparks? Uh, we first met in school when we were in, both in Ireland, and we've stayed in contact pretty much constantly ever since. Yeah, like, it's interesting. We haven't really seen each other in person for, like, seven years now. Which is a shame. One day. One day. Do you remember what the, our first meeting was like? Do you remember what your first impression of me was like? First meeting, I will be honest, it's that my memory is not the best. So I don't exactly remember what was said. But I remember we were both a little bit awkward. It took us a while to get completely comfortable. Yeah. For myself, I remember our first meeting we were both the only people in the library at the time what was the school's library and i was there because i didn't really want to be in the halls with all the other students you were there because you were supervising and we were the only two people in the room i think you came over you started a conversation i asked you about why you had a beard I asked you about the book that you were reading, The Medusa Amulet, and we had a very good talk about the decline of modern literature and why most books nowadays suck like crazy. Wow. Do I even still have that book? Huh. I can't even remember reading it. <laughs> wow. And so I would say my first impression of you was that you were very bookish, you were very studious, and the way that impression evolved over time was that you were also very obstinate, very stubborn, very obsessed with certain things. And I remember at the time, my parents, because I knew that I already had Asperger's syndrome. And whenever I had you over at my house or I came over to your place and I told my parents about what my uh, interactions with you were like, occasionally they'd say, hey, Nathan, do you think that Sparks has autism himself? And I was like, well, if he did, he'd probably be like me. He'd probably have already gone a diagnosis and his parents would have made sure to put him in a special education program. But I guess he's just, he's not. So he's just kind of, he has his own little quirks as is typical for most humans. Yeah, to be completely honest, when it came to the whole autism diagnosis for me, it was a case of growing up, my parents just thought I was a bit odd, but they never thought there was anything actually, as they put it, wrong with me, air quote, heavy air quotes there. So they didn't feel I needed to be diagnosed. And so it went completely under the radar until my eldest brother's girlfriend picked up on it and did mention it to my mother but yeah mother again there were a lot of negative like, associations with autism at the time so if somebody suggests that somebody has it parents don't take that well but mother regrets that she wishes that she listened at the time because when i finally got my first job multiple family members suggested that i get testing just in case and when that came back to say yes you do have autism they realized that they should have taken the signs on more seriously and done something about it sooner so i could have gotten the help that i needed a lot sooner instead i developed a lot of my own coping mechanisms which results in nowadays the only time that anyone really picks on it is if either A, 
they're already aware and must know what to look out for, or I tell them. And when I tell them, that's when they start to realize, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That explains a lot. And we're going to be going into a lot more detail about your diagnosis, my diagnosis, and how it's affected both of our lives. But for now, for the sake of focusing on the format of the show, how has God been working in our life over the last week? Well, he seemed to have given one of my co-workers a nudge regarding how much hard work I've put into with regards to the cleaning monitor role. At my job, they spend the day cleaning the entire pub, and we have to do that repeatedly. Like, pretty much everything is cleaned at least once an hour, minimum. Where do you work? I work in a pub in the north of England. With this role, there are a lot of different people that do it. The actual cleaners, one of them kind of started to notice that whenever I'm on, things are done to the level of cleanliness that she does them to. So she decided to mention that to the general manager and just point out that I do a lot of work, a lot more than I actually need to. And it actually makes her job a lot easier because if I'm on in the evening, a lot of the things that she would normally have to do, they already did in the evenings that need to be done again until evening if I'm on again or the following morning when she's on, depending on if somebody else does in the evening. The point is I make her life easy. So she thought that I deserve to be rewarded for that. And sure enough, my general manager actually made me employee of the week. And having that acknowledgement, it kind of feels like God was trying to send me a message saying, you're doing a good job. Stop worrying. Because I constantly worry that I am not doing enough as much as I should, that I need to do more. But getting that acknowledgement kind of calmed me down. So it was nice. I do think it was God trying to just help me realize that I'm doing you know, the best I can. Yeah. For myself, the way that God has been working my life over the past week, last Saturday, I believe, I was browsing through Instagram and I came across a story of a guy who was very heavily insinuating that he was going to kill himself. I had met this man back in Florida when I was down there last year and I knew that he wasn't a Christian I knew that there were certain things in his life that he was struggling with. I didn't know the exact details of why he'd want to go kill himself, though. So I sent him a quick message saying, Hey, man, please don't do this. Please don't go ahead and kill yourself. And we ended up having this lengthy conversation about whether or not life was worth it. Very stressful in the moment. And... I figured, you know what, I'm dealing with this much stress. I need a place to vent about this. And so there's this animation server that I'm a part of on Discord. I went to the mental health channel. I talked about what was going on with this guy and how he wanted to kill himself and how I felt responsible because like, I seemed to be the only guy in his life who seemed to care about whether or not he was going to get killed. And I, I didn't want to see him go to hell because that's always a risk. And that last part of my messages that I sent out, that got removed by the administration. I was sent a message from the administration saying, hey, we can't have you saying this because it's going to make certain people upset. Please just keep this to yourself. And also because 
you've been a very awkward individual on the server, the next time you say something that's really off, we're going to have to kick you out. For me, that's terrifying because I know that my views aren't really that popular, but I'm hoping that people don't take a look at a message like that and think, oh, this guy is aiming it directly at me. It's more like this is a belief that he has. And even though I'm not agreeing with it, I can still see that it's something that he believes. And so that was, in its own way, very stressful. And there was a part of me that was afraid to go to the server's administrators and moderators and just say, hey, I don't know what to do because I'm autistic, because I don't know the social cues and what's socially appropriate. But I was able to have that conversation with them. And it was very long. At times, it was very difficult. But in the end, we came to a compromise where they said, we're willing to help you and we're willing to tell you to shut up when we think you need to shut up. But at the same time, we also need to know that you're willing to respect us. There have been times in the past where I haven't really been given that kind of support. So while I know that the people who are part of the server, not all of them share my values, I would say I'm being treated better than I have by certain other entities in the past. And I'm thankful for that. And it also turns out the guy that I was talking to through Instagram, he didn't kill himself. He got a job recently working in construction. And I think, I don't know if it's because of what I said to him, but like a life was saved and I'm thankful to God. So I'm so thankful for that. Speaking of social struggles and autism, we're both autistic. If I might let you go first, what has been your story of how you were diagnosed with autism? How has autism affected your life before and after the diagnosis? So what led up to the diagnosis was that I moved out of home from my parents. Me and my sister got a place together. I got a job. And in the time between when I moved and got my job, a lot of interaction with my brother and his friends. A lot of them have different mental disorders, including depression, schizophrenia, and others. And they kind of picked up on the fact that there was something a little off about me. And they suggested to my brother that maybe he should talk to me about it. We led to the suggestion that maybe I should actually get tested for autism which we talked about that with my parents and basically the entire family pretty much went, yeah, this is something that I should definitely do, at least for peace of mind. And I also agree. So I got the testing done and the way they did the testing was they asked a bunch of different questions about childhood and other things, determine whether or not I had the symptoms. And pretty much by the end of that, they were already pretty sure that I was autistic. They asked for some phone numbers so they could call like parents, ask for a bit more context on things. And sure enough, another appointment was arranged. This time I was able to have my aunt go along with me. And they confirmed my diagnosis that yes, I am on the autism spectrum. However, as an adult being diagnosed, couldn't say where on the spectrum I was. Since then, multiple people have kind of pointed out that I am most likely on the high-functioning end of it, as I seem to be able to blend in a lot of the time, observing how others will behave and trying to imitate that. My imitation was very poor, and this is part of what made me incredibly socially awkward, 
as I never really fully understood social cues and still to this day, there are a lot of social cues I do not get. My ability to read facial expressions is practically existing and body language, same story. I have developed the ability to pick up our tone of voice. I do think in terms of how things were before my diagnosis, never had many friends. My friend circle has always been very small and intimate, generally having no more than three or four close friends. I think some people who I saw as friends, I probably shouldn't have, and I realize that now, after the fact, but definitely was way too trusting of certain individuals. After the diagnosis, though, I did get a lot more support. People were a bit more understanding because now they knew, right, this is what the issue is. This is what she has to do to support you. And some people made the adjustments to accommodate that. Others weren't. And those were actually in my life anymore as a result of that. Because they had their own issues. Expected me to make accommodations for them. But weren't willing to do the same in return. Which isn't really fair. I think that makes a lot of sense. If I might share things from my own perspective. I was diagnosed with autism, high-functioning autism. When I was six years old, I think my parents both knew very early on that there was something quote-unquote wrong with me. So they got me diagnosed. They got me support when I was in school. I typically had an educational assistant hanging around me until I was 17. And the times when I didn't have an educational assistant, I was very much screwed socially because I didn't really have a mediator to explain to me all the different social cues and to keep me out of trouble. There were times when I was in public school when I had access to a sensory room. That was usually very fun. I think I'm like you in the sense that I also have trouble understanding tone, reading body language, reading facial cues. There's this concept known as theory of mind, the idea that you have an idea of what the other person is thinking of based on your shared experiences, based on their body language. And for me, I know that I I have a terrible theory of mind. I really don't understand a lot of what goes through people's heads. I can only make an educated guess. Like you, I used to have the perspective that I could only have a certain amount of friends at a certain point in my life, like three or four or five or six really good close friends. And I think in the time since leaving Ireland and especially moving back to Canada, I've had to abandon that mentality as evidenced by this podcast. I think it's been something that's been very beneficial to my life, but I can understand why you would hold on to that mentality because you probably just don't want to have to deal with all of the garbage that comes with multiple social relationships. Oh, I tend to stick with the three or four close friends. That's more me saying these are the people that I know exceptionally well that I go out of my way to spend time with. I do have more friends than that. It's just that I tend not to be as close to them as I am to my close friends. While I may only have three or four close friends, which are the people that I say are the people that I want to spend the most time with, such as my actual partner, a friend who helped me get my current job, a friend who regularly comes over to kind of make sure I'm okay, and obviously you. Those are the people who I can say are people who I actually 
actively want to spend time with and will usually try to message first. My other friends, on the other hand, I tend to wait for them to message me and to arrange time to spend with me. We're still friends. I also don't spend as much time with them as I do with my closer friends. So knowing that you have high-functioning autism right now, is there anything that you wish you could have taken advantage of before your diagnosis? And do you think it would have changed your life in any way? When I was attending school in America, they did actually have a person which was designated to try and help the special needs kids. They also actually helped the actual diagnosis side of things and observing our behavior in school. Honestly, I think probably I would have actually had, instead of like seeing her like once a week, I probably would have seen her daily and probably would have been a help to actually have that kind of support. The rest of primary school, there was no real like anything really in place. Secondary school, there was. They did have, again, a person, I think they had people, like people to help with the special needs kids. And eventually the school got its new building, did have an entire like wing with loads of sensory equipment and stuff to help. You actually probably remember that yourself, how actually beneficial that was. Absolutely. Yeah, we would have actually gotten the chance to use that instead of just the occasional times I got to go in there when you invited me to go in with you. And they probably would have had things in place to help me out from the start, which would have been great. And also, I probably would have developed better coping mechanisms instead of having to figure it out all out on my own, which honestly, I think having all that additional support may have helped prevent a moment in my life where my mood was severely shot. Probably would have prevented a lot of the problems that caused me to continue to have issues to this day. Also, probably would have actually done better in school and actually have gotten to the course I wanted to do in uni. Maybe. I mean, like for myself, I mentioned that I usually had a learning assistant by my side until I was 17. And they were great for helping me understand social interactions and for helping me write down notes for my homework and, you know, just to enjoy talking to. But I would say that from the time that I entered primary school to the time that I left high school, I really didn't change that much or grow as an individual. It was only after I left high school and I left the safety of the educational assistance that I had to find help in other ways. So for myself, that took the form of a therapy program known as Freedom Session, where I was able to go through this year-long course and sort through whatever emotional issues I had. There are a couple of books that I read, which talked a lot about personal responsibility. And I took the message of those books to heart and set about building up savings living on my own. And I would say where I'm at right now, interestingly enough, I think I'm at a point in my life where I'm relatively successful. I'm relatively happy with where I'm at. There's certain things that I wish that I could still do, like you. I still wish that I could go to university and get some sort of degree. But I think that for the position that I'm in, I really only started to be able to enjoy that kind of life when I took the initiative to go out of my way to pursue it. I'm not on disability allowance right now. I don't have a caretaker. That's not to say that I don't have support in my life, 
that helps me with my social issues, but I'm surprisingly self-reliant. So I would say moving away from home was probably what helped me with my development. The safety net I probably had was actually my parents. Even before my diagnosis, they were always very supportive and caring. I relied on them for a lot of stability. The moment I moved away from home, I had to start relying on myself and learn very quickly to adapt. I think within the first week of moving out, I realized, I do not know how to do anything on my own. So I had a lot of teaching and learn very quickly how to do a lot of stuff on my own, which thankfully friends and family that were around did give me advice, help support me. My sister was one of the biggest ones because she had moved out two years before me and she had been living with Gran. Well, Gran is old and my sister had to learn how to look after herself, which is something Gran actually insisted on. So she actually ended up being a lot of help which, considering she's my younger sister, is a bit weird. But honestly, if it hadn't been her, I probably would have actually been able to get to the stage of being self-reliant. Like those three years we spent living together, I think I went through my biggest emotional growth and development during that time. Just learning how to be pretty much self-reliant. I mean, how to save, keep my bills in check. And I'm now at a stage in my life where I'm, health happy. I mean, I was able to actually have a relationship with someone, which was nice while it lasted. And I'm in a new relationship, which we seem to be on the same page for everything. So yay. I didn't think that was actually something that would ever happen, that I would ever actually be at the stage emotionally that I would be able to be with somebody. And I think just the move back to the UK and having to rely on myself was the push I needed I have a job that pays me enough that all of my bills are paid without me needing to rely on any benefits. Even though I still receive benefits, those benefits are purely a case of the government expects us to earn a certain amount before they stop paying it. And that amount is like 300 more than the amount I need to pay my bills. And I'm getting that from work. All that extra money is going towards savings, and getting things to help with the house because there are a lot of things that need replacement. But that's another thing that's really grown was the fact that when I had money, I'd be like, there's a thing I want. I can get enough money. I can get it. Even if there's something else of me that I don't want, I would focus on the thing I want. Now I'm focusing on the things I need. The fact that I'm actually able to do that now, to me, is a sign that I have grown a lot. It might be a lot to a lot, some people, but it's a lot to me. Do you wish that you had moved out of your parents' place sooner? I actually think it probably would have been a good idea if me and my sister had moved out at the same time. If we had actually just straight up gotten a place together when she moved out, probably would have been better for her. And me, I probably would have gotten the job way sooner and actually been at a better stage in my development, to be honest, which would have been great. There are people that I would have met sooner, and those people were also a big part of my development. So, yeah, I do wish I had moved out sooner. But the time I moved out was still a good time. It definitely would have been bad if I moved out any later. But, yes, would have been better, really. Do you think... I don't want to disrespect your parents, but do you think that they were holding you back in any way? No. If anything, I was holding myself back. 
they did encourage me to move out, but I honestly think that my own fear of not being able to do things on my own prevents from actually pursuing these things. Like, I didn't get the grades I wanted from my leaving, sir. That's the Irish final exam. If I didn't get the grade I wanted, I wasn't able to do the course I wanted. And honestly, I think it was part of what made me so terrified about work or moving out. That if I couldn't do that, if I couldn't get into the course I wanted to do, would I be able to do anything on my own? And honestly, I think it's a case of when I did move out, that was my parents saying, we need you to move out. Like it wasn't basically a matter of, I have a choice in the matter. It was literally, I have to move out. And I wish they had done it sooner. I think they do as well. They did not hold me back. I held myself back. My parents have always been loving and supporting. And anytime I talk about going back to school, they have always encouraged me. Going forward, what are the goals that you want to achieve? What are you trying to do to try and make those goals happen? My biggest dream is over several years, maybe even more than a decade, I have had multiple story ideas, books, TV shows, movies, video games, etc., that have been stewing around up in my head. Every single of those ideas, I have tried to develop to some degree. Some of them, I honestly realized that they were boring ideas, but now my dream is to actually finally get one of these ideas, just one, finished. I'm trying to get one of, an idea I had for a book series finished. My main issue there is that uh, one of the threads that I really want to go into will require me getting some more, doing some more research to make sure that I'm representing this character and their journey right. I have to find people who can give me that insight to make sure that I'm doing it right. I'm trying to work on other ideas to get them finished. But I know most of these, if I want them to be successful, I'll need to at least show that I have the capability to work on a project and finish it. To that end, I've been working on personal projects. I have footage for a YouTube gaming channel and I'm going to work on some little short film ideas, try and at least show that I can do things. Hopefully, one of my big ideas I'll finally be able to finish. Do you feel like, as an autistic person, that you have any advantages over other people? And do those advantages, do they make up for the disadvantages that are part of your being? I would say the biggest advantage that I have is that I'm able to see the world a bit differently to how other people see it. And that ability has definitely impacted my writing. But I do disadvantages are something that will always be there and always impact my life. But I'm still going to try and find a way to deal with those negatives. Make the positives work my advantage. Yeah, I would say that one positive thing that autistic people have over, quote unquote, normal people, neurotypical people. We call uh, them neurotypical. Because we're in the minority, unfortunately.
I think one advantage that we have is that we can be very focused and very obsessed over the things that we're passionate about. And in some cases, it can lead to some very weird fixations because like, I don't know, classic example, if you have a guy who loves trains and can't stop talking about trains and he just spends all of his time spouting off useless trivia about trains, then it's like, okay, what are you doing with your life, man? But I think if we're able to properly apply our obsessions, then we can get to a point where we're so focused on what we want to do that we don't stop until it's done. Yeah, as an example of this, I created a YouTube channel to share my video games because that is one of my obsessions. And with a game of one of my favorite series coming out soon, I decided to replay all of the older games now that I am able to record them. However, my obsession with trying to complete the games before the game comes out has worked both an advantage and disadvantage. The advantage I am currently sitting on, let's see, how much was it again? I'm currently sitting on 24 episodes worth of footage. The disadvantage, I'm recording more footage because of my obsession with wanting to complete my, the challenge I set myself by actually editing that footage and uploading it. So, advantage, loads of footage has been recorded. Disadvantage, it's not being edited. Yeah. Eventually, I will get around to editing everything, but I'm not going to lie. It's probably going to be after I'm finished recording every single episode of the entire series. That will take months edit and upload. And what makes you think that something like that is worth it? I guess one of the reasons I see it as being worth it is anytime I edit an episode together, I'm actually practicing upon my editing skills as I constantly have to make sure that everything is right. And keeping those skills practice means that I actually apply it to if I ever start working on one of the TV show ones. Like if one of the ideas you and I are working on, we actually finish the pilot, I would be able to actually edit the everything together, which would be great. It would be great if I can apply these skills in other ways. Being able to complete challenges like I set myself gives me a feeling of completion. It makes me feel like I have actually accomplished something. That feeling of accomplishment puts me into a state where I am actually I'm productive. So setting small objectives helps me actually work on bigger things. Like I've had times where I've finished challenge that was set for me, either by myself or by somebody else, and then I've gone beyond that. So it was a time when you set me a challenge of writing a certain amount of words for a book I wanted to write. Can't remember exactly how many words it was, but even after I'd gotten to that number of words, I kept going. The emotional high of completing challenge gave me the drive and motivation to continue. And I got a lot further than I had ever planned. So small things like that help. Running out of time before we go, if I might ask, is there anything that you want to plug? 
I mean, I mentioned my YouTube channel a few times, so people enjoy seeing a random autistic person through random names, then by all means, Eric's Narrowed is on YouTube. Easy to find because my profile picture is a fox. And is there anything else that you want to say in regards to autism before we wrap up? I would say if anyone listening to this suspects that they may be autistic, there's no harm in going to get tested for autism if you suspect you have it. Multiple people suspected I have it. I went to test it. If I had found that I didn't, then the most I would have lost was a bit of time. But by finding out definite, I was able to get the support I needed. So if you suspect that you or someone you love has autism, there is no harm in getting tested. And honestly, probably for the best. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a very good point. And I, I think that there's a lot of stigma attached to the idea of being autistic. You know, there's this acknowledgement of if, if you get your diagnosis, then you're not normal and you're never going to fit into society. And for myself, like, I'm at a point in my life where I can say I was never going to fit into society in the first place. I prefer to have an explanation for why I'm never going to fit in rather than having to constantly be frustrated by life. And if having this label attached to me gives me the opportunity to take advantage of all of these different resources and support systems, then that's something that I'm willing to see as an acceptable trade-off from having, quote unquote, a normal life. It's still frustrating telling people that I have autism and them not really understanding what that means and having them still treat me like a normal human being because I'm not normal, but hopefully things get better as the years go on. Yeah. And, you know, if you do get the support you need, then it's entirely possible to still end up being successful. I mean, I have a job, have, I live on my own. I'm able to have the kind of life that I want to have. You can still have the life you want to have, even if you're diagnosed with autism. Not going to say it doesn't make things harder, but at the same time, getting diagnosed will actually make things easier than not being diagnosed. Normality is related. I'd rather be the lovable goofball that uh, my friends see me as than trying to pretend to be something that I'm not, which is what I would have to do if I was going around hiding my diagnosis. I'm hoping that the more society evolves, the stigma against mental disorders will go away. Uh, people will start to accept that people need love for it. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be 100% perfect but hopefully things can change and hopefully people will become more aware and hopefully projects like this will help spread more awareness yeah but until then see you guys this has been because we're not the same a podcast hosted produced and edited by nathan raymond ray with special guest sparks narud to listen to more episodes you can follow us on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify amazon music verbal iHeartRadio, or podbean You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.